Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the Fateful. And for the Fateful, I'm David Staples. And I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy, who's got to lean into the middle of the screen when he's ready to do this. Ready to roll, Bruce? You're still not in the middle. You're kind of on the... There you go. There you go. These are the kind of technical difficulties we can deal with on the fly, Bruce, on this podcast. Impressive. (laughs) All right, Bruce. Wow. Wow. Oilers lose 3-2 to the last place team in the league and now are tied. For last in the legal, San Jose still has the orders have a game in hand on San Jose. So, Bruce, um, doom descends upon the orders tonight. I think we're going to see the coach fired, would be my guess, but we'll get into that. We might see other people fired. Um, looks like they've run out of answers. Um, so, there you have it 12 games in to the season. And uh, Jay Woodcroft, riding high as an NHL coach, mm-hmm. has just managed to lead his team to two wins in 12 games. And uh, the Oilers have looked terrible. Back-to-back four-game losing streaks with a single outdoor game win in between. I mean, they won the right game, but but it's just unacceptable. Four regulation losses in a row. They haven't even managed to harvest one point out of this most recent string of futility. We're going to talk a lot about what's to come uh, in, a, in a moment when we get to the conundrum part of our two good things, two bad things, two numbers, and one conundrum podcast. And um, so we'll just let's just go through the game. We don't have to belabor it too much. Um, I, I will say... Um, just as an overall comment, the Oilers just showed very little life for the first two periods of this game until a, until a late flurry in the second period led by McDavid. Um, they just, they were being outworked, outhit. Um, I, Holloway had a good hit late in, in the game. It was the fir- Oilers' first game hit, and it came late in the second period. They just, there just were the physical play, the desperation was absolutely missing from the Oilers, which I think will be the signal for uh, Woodcroft to go. Because if they had just scrapped like hell, as they did from the, you know, late second period on in the game, there might be some hope here, but I don't I don't see uh, them sticking with Jay Woodcroft right now. Bruce, what is your good thing? Yeah, okay. I'm going to pick out of that mess uh, Matthias Ekholm as my good thing recognizing that he was among those beaten on the all-important uh, first goal of this game. Um, uh, but I thought this was the uh, uh, liveliest and most active game we've seen from Ekholm, that he was uh, uh, really getting involved in the play in the offensive zone, going deep in the zone. Uh, he had uh, five shots on net, uh, ten shots at net. Uh, he had an assist. Uh, and uh, I thought he was sort of battling, even though he didn't get any credit for any any hits, but I thought he was at least sort of um, one of the ones who who raised his game as it went along. Unfortunately, the uh, 
well, well I'll talk about this in a minute, but uh, the uh, uh, the uh, it took them a while, the whole team a while to get into the game, and uh, uh, he was one that came along as as the as the game went along, and uh, the order certainly uh, dominated possession. But this is a typical line with Ekholm on the ice. The orders outshot the Sharks 15-6 and got outscored one nothing at uh, even strength. They he, did he, score six on five. So yeah, he did lose the battle in the corner on that first goal against. So we, you know, when that happens, there shouldn't be a goal against necessarily when a player loses a battle in the corner. It happens all the time. There should be layers of defenders, and of course, there wasn't. The orders forwards covering and stuff. Like forwards that, covering yeah. in the slot, and it was pathetic. That play, Drysaddle yeah. just cruised out from the corner slowly to the slot, and Holloway had to cover two guys. He picked the wrong one. Did he ever? It was a shit show. Of a play, like honestly. Yep. Um, my good thing uh, is Evan Bouchard, Bruce. He uh, kept a clean sheet at even strength. Not one major mistake on a goal against himself. He he was moving the puck exceptionally well all game long. And um, Ekholm was smart enough right at the end of the game when, when the Oilers needed a shot on net. Ekholm is one of the few Oilers defensemen who has the savvy to realize, why would I shoot it? Mm-hmm. He should shoot it and wait for Evan Bouchard to set up, slide the puck over. Bouchard just pounded it on net, and Nugent Hopkins put in the rebound. Um, he set up uh, McDavid in the second period. His it was his great play actually that started off that flurry of that led to four or five really great chances for the Oilers. He put the puck into the slot looking for McDavid, who tipped it on net. I think that was the first of the danger shots. Let me just go to our uh, game grades. Uh, or, yeah, that was the first of the dangerous shots. And um, after that, Edmonton had three five-alarm shots. Quickly, Drysdale on a wraparound. Hyman, who, how did he not score? How did he not score? It just, it was right on the doorstep. Slammed it hard backhand, and he couldn't put it in. And then McDavid got it. Um uh, excuse me, this is this, those were the three chances in that flurry. And then a minute later, they're out there again, and he hits McDavid yeah. on the fly. And McDavid looked more like the real Connor McDavid than he had it has at any point this season, except for the first game or two. He charged into the zone, cut diagonally across the uh, slot, and slammed it on net. Just a beautiful play. And he couldn't score, and then Hyman couldn't score on the rebound. So just. Uh, Superb offensive plays from Evan Bouchard. Um, I know there was some people who who felt he should have been benched after last game, Bruce. I addressed that in a post. I just think, I think it's, that. listen, I'm not against benching players. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with benching players. But I, I don't, like, for singling out Bouchard, who, who made a tough play, it was a tough play. But although if you look at it again, um, it's Fogel actually who causes as much as anything the two-on-one by falling down and losing his feet. And, and when Bouchard was going for the puck, he hadn't yet seen Fogel fall down. So anyway, that's not I'm, I'm relitigating oh. that too much. But listen, the Oilers have been plagued with defensive mistakes, and to, to single out Bouchard in that moment uh, oh. for sitting down, I just think is madness because you could sit down any number of players this game, any game on the Oilers. There's just constant bad decisions, constant bad plays. He's he's one of the guys making them, but no more than a lot of the other ones. 
and yeah, I was, I don't, I didn't like that talk. I didn't like that, 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 uh, that vibe. Yeah. Well, I think in fairness, the talk after the game was that he, he could have been benched for like the rest of that period. I don't think anybody was advocating him, you know, benching him for the next game or anything like that, just for, you know, some immediate feedback of, you know, this kind of stuff isn't helping Evan. Uh, but he is far from alone and it feels like I could name about 12 forwards who've had really bad time on the defensive side of things and, uh, tonight being no exception, you know, uh, uh, San Jose had 18 shots tonight only. So that's a really great defensive performance, right? Except for all three of their goals came on uncontested one timers from the slot where it was just a pass or whatever. It was a fluky bounce in one case, but the guy wasn't covered. And the other two cases was a pass to a guy alone in front, and he just hammered it into the net. How many shots did Edmonton get like that in the whole game? Yeah, sure, they got 41 shots, but how many uncontested shots did they get from the slot? Hyman's Hyman's shot was the only, I would say, was the only one Mm -hmm. that came close to being of the same level of danger. Like, like there's a... We track grade A shots and then the even more dangerous five alarm shots, but there is this higher class of shots. Mm-hmm. And I think it was about three to one in this yeah. game where you're, you know, where you're, where you really have an elevated chance of scoring. And on each of those plays, Bruce, it's a yeah. forward. It's a forward um, who wasn't covering in the slot. Um, it wasn't. In a sense, yeah. It, it wasn't always the forward right. uh, who made the initial mistake. But it was the forward who should have been covering in the slot and failed to do so. And this is this is uh, the the story of the orders right now, isn't it? Yeah, it sure is. So, What's your bad thing? Yeah, well, that kind of was it. But I guess uh, um, to extend on the uh, uh, on that point, uh, Evander Kane, who was a day late and a dollar short in coverage on both the second and third goals and, you know, didn't really have a whole lot going on in San Jose of all places where you think he'd be motivated. Uh, just one shot, two hits, two giveaways in this game. So the numbers don't say much. And, and uh, a minus one where, uh, you know, he was reaching instead of being on the guy in the slot who hammered the one off the fluky bounce. And then on the on the winning goal, I mean, this was a bad play all the way around. It was a bad play by uh, Nurse at the offensive blue line to try and make a move on the guy. But, I mean, it took a second for that to unfold. And he did not get the puck deep in the corner, and he lost the battle. And Kane, I don't know where he was because he sure wasn't thinking, boy, my defenseman's in a spot of bother. Maybe I should try and cover for him. You know, like fundamental basic hockey, right? Like you probably used to teach to the girls team that you coached last year, right? <laughs> like, and uh, I cover just don't for the get defense. it. None of the Oilers forwards cover seem for them, to yeah. get it. Yeah, you know, Bruce, they're all <laughs> offensive guys, right? This is their this is their thing. They're all these offensive yeah. aces, and mm-hmm. they puck watch, and they're hoping yeah. for the goal. And this reminds mm-hmm. like this reminds me so much of the decade of darkness teams because yeah. like we saw this constantly with like Taylor Hall and and Eberle and Gagne at that time. And you know, there's lots of talented young forwards on the team, but they they were constantly doing these things. But these guys are veteran players 
who can play solid two-way hockey. And in, I, I don't know, they're just so desperate to score now that I, it's, there's a ton of puck watching going on yeah. and there's a ton of desperate play and passes that shouldn't be made instead of conservative play. And you pointed out nurse there, you know, all he had to do was get the puck deep. He had a chance yeah. and, but he, he wanted to make the big play. He wanted to cut back into the middle of the ice and then he just couldn't execute that. And then the guy's on him and then he loses the puck. And he had mostly had a pretty good game tonight. I thought he scored a really nice goal and, and, uh, made a couple of big shot blocks and, you know, but that was a mistake. And on this team, you make a mistake and, uh, nobody picks you up and certainly the goalie never seems to, I mean, the two on one that sued there, uh, well, I think you'll probably talk about a little bit, but, uh, they wound up with both the D man and the goalie committing 100% to the guy with the puck, and he just makes a sort of easy pass across the slot. And the other guy, uh, uh, Philip Zadina, I think it was, failed Ken Holland draft pick Philip Zadina, sticks it to Ken Holland yet again by scoring the winning goal uh, on a a two-on-one break where he almost whiffed the shot and he put it in the, the side closest to Skinner, but the net was so wide open that uh, he had basically the whole net to shoot at because the goalie and the D-man had committed to the puck carrier. And so Kane is just one little part of that problem. So even singling guys out, like I would rather say my bad things are just things like team defense and allowing too many clear, wide open, uncontested shots from the slot. Well, you have to be careful singling people out, Bruce, or you might get accused uh, of running players out of town. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. And just, oh, <laughs> yeah, um, uh, I should mention Darnell. I will also reiterate Darnell Nurse did have a good game other than that play. That was a really bad play. But and the Matt, game losing ball, goal against, yeah. Yeah, exactly. A veteran defenseman <laughs> uh, making a major mistake on a game winning goal against, uh, not trying to run him out of town. He's not leaving town. He's got a contract, which at this point would be hard to move, frankly. And, and a no-movement clause. And a no-movement. No one's, anyway, that was just ridiculous stuff. But um, Nurse, um, great goal. Man, did he come down the ice and slam that home with authority on a really nice pass from uh, Fogel. And then Leon, Dreisaitl, great pass from Leon. And uh, Nurse put it in with authority. Great play by him. Bruce, my bad thing this game was his partner, Cody Ceci, who has been the Oilers' steadiest defenseman this year. Um, but man, did he have a bad game. It was rancid. And it starts out um, early on um, when uh, he makes a bad pinch. Um, five About six minutes left in the, in the uh, first period. And uh, they just... The Oilers were lucky not to be scored on at that point. There's a hard charge up the ice, and 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 um, Darnell goes for the puck, and the and it goes through him to the to the guy in the. Uh, I think it was I think it was the Zetterland who got off that shot. Anyway, I don't know what CC was doing on the play. He was just up up way kind of out of the play, battling someone, not even for the puck. And they get a two-on-one, you know, Leon charges back and tries to take it away, but still a two-on-one shot. So that's his first mistake. And you'd think after so many rush chances 
against the Oilers and rush goals against the Oilers, the defenseman would be really wary of pinching like that. But he, you know, there you have it. On the on the next goal against, he allows the pass out from the corner into the slot where they score on. Um, he's a culprit on the third goal against, as you've mentioned. He fails to cut out the two-on-one pass. I mean, how often on these rush chances of the Oilers defenseman this year been able to cut out two-on-one passes? It's it's Almost usually never. It's, it's unreal. It's, it's it's a fairly common thing in the NHL for defensemen to be able to cut out those passes, but no. Um, I have them down. I don't remember this one. Let me just see. Uh, in the second period, there's another one where he made a, he allowed the shot. Oh, yeah. In the second period, um, the puck's, McLeod's battling in the corner for the puck, and he's late getting there, and there's a puck passed into the high slot to LeBanc. And and Cece, you know, this play's slow developing. There's only one guy in the high slot. Cody Cece just has to move out to get him, but, you know, he was puck watching. And LeBanc has a wide open shot, which um, the broadcasters, Jack Michaels and Lee Brusque claim that this could be the turning point. You know, this was the big save from Stuart Skinner. Mm-hmm. Well, the reason he had to make that save was CC was out of, yeah. hadn't gone to the shooter. Yeah. Yeah. So he just, it was just play after play where he wasn't There was four, four of them, one timers from the slot and three of them went in. And then there was the clear breakaway where McDavid lost the puck on the power play and the guy took it off and went in on alone and Skinner managed to make that save. The guy tried to deke him rather than shoot. Well, it was, it was a, it was a breakaway. Yeah. I give McDavid credit for getting back hard and lift. He lifted his stick at one he made point. It, yeah, at least harassed That threw the off the guy's timing in terms of making a, um, making a, uh, making a move. We'll just change that though to McDavid allowing a breakaway on that. Cause he did. All right. Enough of that. Let's move on to our quickly, our numbers, Bruce. Um, my, I'll just quickly give my number. It's the, the, we've been tracking this all year. The orders have now given up 23 goals in 12 games on even strength rushes. And they've only scored seven tonight. It was two to one for San Jose off the rush. What's your number? Yeah, they just, uh, uh, there's just, when they're pushing to score, there's just no thought or focus or attention to any kind of detailed hockey to give into covering what happens if the puck goes the other way well i guess they go in on an odd man rush and score because that's what's been happening over and over again anyway uh 23 to 7 like that's almost they're they're minus 19 on the season and we've identified minus 16 of that just on that one game situation alone or the two they can't score on the rush and they can't defend against the rush so uh, my number, I'm not quite sure what it is, David, because the uh, uh, the zero-sum game that should be the event summary actually doesn't add up. But it's something like this, 37 to 13, or it might be 35 to 12. But either way, it's like a 3 to 1 ratio. And that is <clears throat> shots that were blocked. Wow. Uh, they're saying Edmonton took 37 shots that were blocked, and they only credit San Jose with 35 blocks. So... Somebody's got to do some reconciling. And at the other end, Oilers got credit for blocking 12 in San Jose. It says they took 13 that got blocked. Either way, 37 out of Edmonton's 
93 shot attempts were blocked and only 13 of San Jose's only 43 shot attempts were blocked, but still a way higher percentage. And you know why? It was because when Edmonton shot the puck, there was like five San Jose guys uh, between them and the net. They had, their forwards were back, they were there. I mean, they weren't necessarily very good or doing anything, but they were just like this big picket fence there. And Edmonton was constantly getting their shots blocked. I mean, here's Edmonton's big shooters. Drysaddle, five shots on net, but six that were blocked. McDavid, four shots on net, but seven that were blocked. Uh, Ekholm, five to four. Uh, and uh, it's just on and on down the line where, you know, Nugent Hopkins, he finally, he, his only shot of, of, on goal of the entire game, of, of what was a poor game from him, in my opinion, with two very costly penalties to boot. Uh, one shot two that were blocked and it was you know just all down the down the sheet where and then they of course each of those guys had a couple that missed the net as well so for all the shots that they're trying relatively uh you know well under half of them are getting through to test the actual goalie and then of course once they do test the goalie the other goalie turns out to be dominic hashik in disguise again which has happened like every game for what seems like the last month <laughs> so it's uh, anyway San Jose were getting in the shooting lanes and Edmonton gave up three goals on absolutely uncontested one-timers from the slot and that's the hockey game yeah funny Bruce I after Vegas beat the Oilers with using a zone I just thought the Oilers are just going to face nothing but zone defense packing the slot all yeah, year long good point yeah and 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 have figured I just, it out. you just expected this to happen right because that's how you beat the orders, and the only way you, the orders can can is to be very smart, very controlled. Lots mm-hmm. of outside shots, going hard to the net, getting rebound plays. Not a whole lot of fun when you're used to sitting, you know, mm-hmm. sh- shimmying and shaking into the slot. And but that's that's how it's going to be. And uh, funny, the orders themselves can't play that kind of defense um, in their they own zone. They, they were unable to master the zone. They looked. They, you know, other teams can do it, yeah. but um, this team can't. Anyway, um, Bruce, let's move on to the conundrum part. And it's a, the conundrum is, I think at this point, um, just how, I mean, to put it crudely, you could say how how many people are going to go on the bloodletting. But to just how, how, what makes sense, I guess, is the conundrum really. What makes sense here? What should the Oilers do? Well, fire Dustin Schwartz, obviously. Obviously. That's what he's saying. Well, uh, it's probably... A, I think he's well down the totem pole <laughs> of, uh, of people that should be on the so-called firing line. Yeah. Um, but he's... Uh, nobody's safe right now, let's put it that way. And it just depends how serious is Jeff Jackson. Because yeah. he's come in uh, as this new... Pr- CEO of hockey operations and since he's took command his team has gone from a contender to an absolute tire fire and I wonder about Jeff Jackson himself like where is he let's hear something from you Jeff maybe come out from Toronto and talk to the fans out here in Edmonton that are losing their shit of which I'm one but I'm one of many 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 fans that are just beside themselves ourselves watching your team 
talented uh, team that was built for this season. The focus was on this season, all the borrowing from the future that's been done. And there, here's where I'm going to point the finger more at Ken Holland, who has, uh, in what appears to be his final season, and he has uh, doubled down on the players that he chose before, made hardly any changes to the team. And on his payroll, David, there are five Oilers who are 30-plus years old with cap hits of five-plus million dollars and who have terms from anywhere from 19 to 2029, in the case of Ryan Nugent Hopkins, uh, or 2028, uh, in the case of... Uh, of um, Zach Hyman, or 2027 in the case of Jack Campbell, or 2026 in the case of Matthias Ekholm or Evander Kane. And all those guys were given term to lower their cap hit so they could squeeze them under in the long run without really big concern that we're, the Oilers are going to have be paying these guys these big bucks when they're in their mid to late 30s in some cases. So that was done with this year in mind. Uh, they borrowed against future draft capital to make cap space. They had to trade out a third rounder next year and a second rounder the year after to get out from under the the uh, disastrous Sackassian contract. They had to uh, trade a fourth rounder next year to buy down Matthias Ekholm's cap so they could get a little bit more room. And they even borrowed, or on the verge of borrowing, and I think this will happen, uh, three and a quarter million dollars from next year's salary cap for this year's so that they could afford to add the one big-time difference maker that they added this summer in Connor Brown, who's turned out to be uh, not a difference maker at all. And of course, now he's hurt, but uh, the first game that he's back. And so all of this borrowing from the future is supposed to have a team that's contending now. And the team is contending for last place in the NHL. And right now they are tied for last place in the NHL. And having just lost to uh, a team that uh, last week, gave up 10 goals in two consecutive games. First team in 58 years to do that. And the Oilers managed to score two goals on them, just like they're scoring two goals in game after game. And where is Ken Holland's vision? What happened to it? What are we seeing on the ice that is anything what he is supposedly masterminded in putting this team together? And this is a supporting cast. When he came here, uh, McDavid and Drysaddle were already here and already under contract. Nurse was already here, and he kept him as an asset, but, of course, he went under a very controversial uh, contract. I didn't mention those guys. That's your core players. These are the supporting cast that are supposed to be helping this team go somewhere. And where are they going? And, and what you know? where's the escape hatch? Like, if this goes sideways, how do they clear the decks? So I think there's, I think what they'll do, Bruce, is go sequentially here. Mm -hmm. And Start before writing off, manager? before writing off this season, I mean, the real question is, do you write off this season? When do you write off this season? Oh, and because yeah, listen, listen, you have to make a decision whether you're going to trade your first round draft pick to try to get That's out of true. this. You have to make a decision whether it's time to trade Philip Broberg to get out of this and other young prospects to get out of this. Mm -hmm. So you have 
you can do those things right away in yep. a deal. So that's that's a really big decision to make. Um, well, here's the decision. And, and I think I think that before they make that decision, Bruce, mm-hmm. they will go in sequence. Okay. They will try a different coach. And the question is, who's that coach going to be um, at this point? It's, um, is it, the, you know, if there wasn't this cloud around Joel Quenville, it would be a simple decision. He would be here tomorrow. But there is this cloud around Quenville um, what, um, from Chicago. And I'm not going to get into it because I haven't even looked at it. Like I, I don't have, I can't say anything about it other than it's there. And the NHL won't let teams hire Joel Quenville at this point. That's all we have to know at this point about that. So the other guy, they probably want to hire is Mike Babcock, but he's got a huge cloud around him too. So they're not hiring him. So those are the two obvious guys. Then there's Gerard Gallant, um, who took Vegas to the Stanley cup final. And maybe he's the breath of fresh air that the team needs. He's an offensive coach. Um, he's experienced. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if 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 he's if he's not getting the call. Um, any other any other? Do, I mean, first of all, do you do you agree with the sequence that they, the first thing they're going to do is not throw away this season? Too early to do that. Right. Just twelve games in, mm-hmm. they will hire another coach, and mm-hmm. they will they will. Um, it could be Gullitson would be the other other guy. But I don't, I have a suspicion it's not going to be that, that they're going to go outside and bring, they got to change it up more than that. Bring in a butt kicker and or a motivator. A motivator. Or the other name you hear is Claude Julian. I mean, isn't he from like, that's, when did he? The old Hamilton Bulldogs coach from like 25 years ago. Yeah. Well. (laughs) Uh, Here's a name that hasn't been brought up, so I will. Bruce, there it is, Boudreaux. No way who has a reputation of coming in and quickly turning teams' fortunes around, although not necessarily them maintaining it in the long term. But he's, he's had a record of sort of doing that with teams where they they're, the team's uh, whole mental attitude changes upon his arrival. So anyway. He, he, don't you think he was too much of a tire fire? The, the reason I reacted so strongly, like the no way, is just he it was such a tire fire. Mm-hmm. In, it, it was almost comical. It was like a bit of a sideshow at the end. And I don't know if that's on Boudreaux or on management. It wasn't. It's not on Boudreaux. If it's not on Boudreaux, maybe there's no, a chance. The, maybe the you're crowd, right. Yeah, the crowds, the Vancouver fans are certainly behind him. And they, they uh, you know, and Rick Tockett has come in there and done the job. And what the orders need is somebody that can do that if they're They've decided they need to turn the page on Jay Woodcroft. I guess what I'm saying, where I rudely, I apologize, interrupted your beginning of your rant after you (laughs) quietly listened to mine for about five minutes straight, uh, is I'm not sure I want Ken Holland making that decision. Oh, I, I don't certainly don't is, want Bruce. him making the decision on trading Philip Broberg and next for next year's first round pick because his entire focus is only on this year and the hell with the future, you know, in terms of the, you know, where, where the team is positioned. And I mean, we're all hoping that it works, but the early results are not good. Well, maybe and they don't. They need Holland. to, they need to, cons- yeah, I don't think they're going to they fire him. I just they think just, they, they, yeah. they cannot let him alone make the decision. And I I mean, I'm remembering Peter Shirelli when the ground was going 
turning into quicksand under his feet. And they left him to make some key decisions like trading Ryan Strom for uh, uh, for uh, Ryan, uh, what the heck's the guy's name, Spooner. Or trading, uh, this is my favorite, Drake Kajula for Brandon Manning, the, the one player in the entire NHL who uh, Connor McDavid called out. Uh, or signing Koskinen to a three-year contract in January when he could have had both his goalies competing for the one available contract right for the entire rest of that year. And it was like one disastrous decision after the other. And only after the last one did they get around to firing the guy. Well, they need to, and Jeff Jackson needs to be involved in this process with a view of what's going to work in the short term, but what's not going to leave the team completely hung out to dry for the next five to 10 years, uh, which they're already well down that path. Julian hasn't coached since 2021 and didn't have a success. Like he hasn't, you know, he with Boston there in the early part of the last decade, he had a lot of success, but hasn't really aced it since then. Boudreaux's record's pretty checkered in his last um, coaching job um, or two. Gerard Gallant, Bruce, here's Gerard Gallant's winning records. Just I'll just give you one losses without the ties, but... Uh, in the last 51 and 24, 43 and 32, 24 and 19, 52 and 24, 47 and 22. I, if they do what's expected and which is to hire the next best veteran coach who's had the mo- biggest success recently, um, who is available, it will definitely be Gerard Gallant. And um, they were disappointed in him in New York because he didn't take that team far enough. 47 and 22 record last year. Not that's not shabby, and um, I suspect he's yeah. gonna he's gonna be the next coach of the Edmonton Oilers. Would be my guess. Now let's just go take a step back. Do you think do you think it's for sure that they're gonna get? What, what do you think are the odds then that they they move on from Jay Woodcroft before uh, Saturday's game? Uh, before Saturday's game, uh, I'm not sure, but uh, I mean, a lot of people were pointing to this game against the Sharks and saying, well, yeah. if, if the Oilers were to lose that game, then that could be the trigger. Like, if they can't even beat San Jose Sharks. And I mean, I'll give the Sharks credit for, you know, playing a hard game tonight. But at the same time, you got to say, well, how come they played a hard game uh, defensively and uh, Edmonton Oilers really didn't, you know? So there's fingers pointing at this point and how quickly they respond. I mean, to this point, uh, if Edmonton Oilers upper management is responding to anything, it is entirely transparent. We have heard not a word from Jeff Jackson, not a word from uh, Ken Holland, uh, not a word from Bob Nicholson. Like, where are these guys, you know? Ken Holland is suffering. Ken Holland is suffering miserably in the press box the last they time I showed him. Tonight, they, I think they had to use a telephoto lens. There was one shot of him cowering in at some bunker in the depths of the uh, press box upstairs. He's got to be, it's a nightmare for him. Like, I feel for him on the one level, but this is his team. Jay Woodcroft uh, has been such a fantastic coach. And it's just, this is just His terrible. record is great. And then all of a sudden, this, his team can't piss a drop. What a weird year, eh? What a weird thing. It's just like someone have a voodoo doll or 19 of them or 20, 20 mm-hmm. voodoo dolls. Like, it's like, ah. 
mean, I mean, here we are again. Like, this is like I'm reading a photocopy of the last 10 games. Oilers outshoot the other guys 41-18. And, they, you know, they have shot attempts 92-43, to 43, and they get two goals? Yeah. And they give in three? Yeah, but you know, Bruce, like, oh. when the game was early in the game, the, the five alarm shots, before the Oilers got that flurry late in the second period, it yeah. was 5-2 to two yeah. for San Jose. And, and they were wind up 6-6. Six, 6-6. Six. Six, six. So great, for all those shots, shots, they didn't get yeah. any advantage in five no, alarms. It's because there's because they're packing in front of the net. Something the owners can't figure out how to do themselves for some reason. They're packing yeah. in front of the net. Yeah. They're you, they're allowing outside shots, and they're getting the bounces, and they're going hard to the net, and they're outworking the Oilers and the Oilers. Mm-hmm. So many offensive players who don't like to play defense, and man, that is just haunting them right now. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, Connor Brown's another decision they have to make. He's only played nine games, right? So, um, that's it depends how long he's injured for, but I, I don't see them doing anything but going. They're with honor him. bound. I mean, they are. Jeff they are. Jackson represented Connor Brown when he yeah. signed that contract, for goodness sake. And now he's flipped to the other team. I mean, I guess he could be the ultimate Darth Vader and tell his former client, too bad, so sad, we're screwing well, you after nine well, games. Vegas but do. I don't think, well, yeah, <laughs> Vegas too. I, I just, I can't see it. And I'm, you know, I mean, uh, there is such a thing as honor, and I, I don't think that would be a very honorable thing to do. But I, you know, I completely agree, and I, I don't think they'll do it. He had, like, teams offering him three years at three million and stuff like that, so... You know, he 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 took a chance to uh, uh, anyway, uh, and he's had he's a good player, and they're missing him right now, in my opinion. I thought he was starting to come around, and then he got hurt. And uh, I'll be I'll be uh, filleted for this, but I think they're missing Matthias Janmark right now because <clears throat> he is actually a conscientious defensive forward, which is something they sorely lack. It's got to be all the forwards playing defense. Like in this, in the modern NHL with the, you know, the game so tight, the team so tight and uh, the variation of the players so small, you can't have people not playing defense. They've all got to do it. And um, they're not. So, yeah, I agree with you. Janmark, Bruce, how many major mistakes has Matthias Janmark made on grade A shots against this year? Zero. Zero. (laughs) So, you know, the whole thing about him is just, it's just ridiculous. It's, it's, um, he's a good role player. He's a decent player and they miss him. They miss Connor Brown. I think, you know, he, he might've been coming around, but. I thought he was coming around. He was coming around. Playing better every game. Boom. Yeah. It's just niggling injuries. One that set Connor McDavid back in a really, um, you know, first seven, eight, nine games. Finally tonight, like. I don't know if it was just San Jose, but man, McDavid looked really good from the end of the second period on, which is encouraging. A new coach coming in is going to get um, a healthy and fired up Connor McDavid. It looks like so. If that's the if that's how it plays out, so I just think it's going to be sequential. You try so they did the first thing right. They got rid of the one goalie. Now they they might trade for a goalie. Um, in conjunction with bringing in a new coach, but I don't know. You know, they could trade for a goalie if that trades there, Bruce. They could blow their brains out on a new goalie and all in on a new goalie. 
and that might be the play. And Jay Woodcroft might not be fired. That would be the one thing if they have that trade and they think it's all if it's they think it's mainly the goalie, then um, that could be the one thing that would save Woodcroft. Bring in a new goalie, see if that works, and then if it doesn't, then you fire Woodcroft. But I I think that most likely is <laughs> both. Uh, both might be in the cards. New goalie and Firewood Croft bring in a new coach, bring in a new goalie, um, and probably trade your first pick in Broberg for that new goalie and other things. Like they're going to have to move some some salary. Well, I better lottery protect it then if they're. That would be a good yeah. idea. Hopefully, yeah, Jeff Jackson. Pretty common. That's a pretty common yeah, thing. Pretty common practice. Lottery protected, so you're not. Um, um, not totally trading Connor, Connor Bedard for James Reimer. Yeah, Macklin <laughs> Celebrini. Is that his name? Macklin Celebrini. Macklin Celebrini. Yeah. Celebrini or Celebrini? Celebrini. It's. Do they have the Elvish pronunciation of Celebrini, or is it like a Celebrini would be what it's almost Cicerelli Celebrini? It's Italian, so they have the soft C. Yeah. Um, Bruce. Yeah. I don't know. It's just what a weird, what a weird season. And you know, the old saying, man, did that escalate quickly? Does that ever come to mind? It is just, I've been expecting them to turn it around. Even in the third period, I thought, oh, McDavid's going to turn this around. And then that goal against early in the third, which is just typical, typical goal against. We've seen so many times all year long from all of the players, all of them. Except for maybe Brett Kulak, he's really been playing well. He's been steady Eddie back there. There's a few guys who have been steady Eddies, um, but they're few and far between, Bruce. Uh, Kulak actually at the start of the year was was pretty uh, wretched when he was after coming back from his injury. But then, man, he's been he's been uh, solid, and now I've jinxed him, of course. Um, but uh, well, there's just, just like there's no one who's not making these mistakes. Yeah. There's just no one. Yeah, well, last game, I mean, that key goal that we talked about earlier that people were um, on Bouchard's case for. I mean, the Oilers just cut the deficit to one goal deficit, and they're still over a period to play, and they're down by one. I mean, you don't have to risk everything. You know, if it's two minutes left, then sure, you take a chance in the offensive blue line. But if there's 22 minutes left or 18 minutes left like there was tonight... You still, you know, you do, you got to win the period. You don't have to win that shift to tie the game. You just got to win the period. And you're, it's a hell of a lot harder to win the period when you're two goals down as opposed to just one. And that was a killer it's, again. Yeah. It's a league, Bruce, that seems to be built for negative tactics right now. Mm-hmm. Park the bus, a counterattack, wait for the mistake, go for the, you know, try to score as many Californians as you can. The outside shop tipped in. Um, and the orders aren't built for the orders psychologically are not built to park the bus, play that game. Obviously they want to press, they want to go after the puck. They want to attack, attack, attack. And that ain't working in this park, the bus bus league. It is not working. They want to, uh, they, they want the fire wagon hockey. Well, the fire wagon is now firmly planted in front of the opposition net <laughs> and nothing, nothing easy is getting through. Nothing easy. The orders are working so hard to score. Yeah. That hasn't gone away. No. And, they, and they're not able to score even. 
Nope, they're firing 40 shots a night, and they're scoring on 5% of their shots. You know, This was the best it, shooting team in the league last year, the highest shooting percentage, and last time I looked, they were 30th. They are not getting as many five-alarm shots as the opposition, is the truth. They are getting, they might be getting more shots and even more grade A shots, but on the most dangerous scoring chances, and if you looked at those five alarm shots and you you were zeroing in for the ones, you know, if you had another category, the nuclear shots or whatever you want to call them, the sure things, yeah. you know, the 50-50s almost, I yeah. bet you it's it's even more for the opposition with those kinds of shots. Mm-hmm. And I have all the games still on tape except for the first one, so maybe I'll go through and have a look. I mean, the, mm-hmm. all, all the goals are online at NHL.com anyway. But just how many of, like, like even this higher level, because you, you pointed it out tonight. San Jose just had more of those kinds of shots. Yeah. Yeah, well, the game winner, like Philip Zadina, he didn't even get all of it. He just kind of had to float one and get it on net. And he put it in the in the skinner's side of the net because he had basically post to post to shoot it at and it's just too easy of an odd man rats too easy of a pass too easy of a shot all right bruce i think we've run out of steam <sighs> yeah this has not been a good day no the yeah. hockey game's only part of it, David. And yeah, I don't know. really want to get into the rest, but uh, it's not been a good day, and that's uh, uh, enough said about that. All right, let's leave it there, Bruce. Thanks let's for talking tonight. There, tomorrow's another day, and it could be a busy one. Could be a busy one. All right, thanks for talking, Bruce. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime. And in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.